0: Kroger, fresh for everyone, fuel restrictions apply.
1: Most people don't realize that focusing on the speaker is not where you start listening from. The biggest thing that gets in everybody's way when it comes to listening is themselves. Hi and welcome
0: to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is another beautiful day here in North Carolina and this episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Jeremy Clevenger Fitness and the Sasquatch Flag Company. Both of these sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week. So I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. I have another great show lined up for you today, but before we get started, I just want to remind you to check out the leadership books I've written on either Amazon or my website, johnsrenny.com. This year, I'm offering a new way to purchase all of my books for a discount. I bundle the books into what I call the Qualified Leadership Series, and you get all three books for 15% off the individual prices. This offer is only available on my website, so check it out if you're looking to step up your leadership game this year. Also, I want to remind you that Deep Leadership is now ranked in the top 100 management podcasts in the U.S. and now in the U.K., and I wanted to thank every one of you for listening in each week and sharing these episodes with your friends. You have helped this podcast grow into a top-performing show, so thank you very much. Well, that is it. Today we're going to be talking about deep listening, and my guest is Oscar Tremboli. Oscar is a listening expert and host of the award-winning Deep Listening Podcast. Listening is something that most of us probably take for granted. But how many times have you run into a problem, become someone failed to understand an assignment, or misunderstood a message? Well, we can become better leaders if we become better listeners, and Oscar shows us the way in this eye-opening and enlightening conversation. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Now, today we're going to be talking about the importance of listening in our roles as leaders. Now, when I was in the Navy, we had an effective way to ensure watchstanders listened to and understood the commands that were given by watch officers. It was a technique we called verbatim repeat back. and I talk about it in my second book. The process was simple. Watchstanders would repeat the command from the watch officer to ensure they heard and understood the command before executing. So the command... From the officer might sound something like this, helm, left full rudder, steady course 320, and the verbatim repeat back would sound something like this, left full rudder, steady course 320, aye sir. So in this manner, both the officer and the watchstanders were on the same page. Now as it happened one time on my watch, my helmsman failed to hear me correctly, and we almost hit a buoy coming out of the channel heading out to sea on patrol, which would have been a major disaster. I was able to quickly correct him when I heard he incorrectly repeated back the command to me and I recognized that the rudder had gone in the opposite direction. So there was an example where I was able to hear, listen, and correct uh, an order that wasn't being followed, followed properly. But in business, we rarely engage at this level of formal communication and oftentimes leaders and followers are so busy that we fail to listen effectively, which can lead to misunderstandings and frustration. So today... We're honored to be joined by Oscar Tremboli, who is a listening expert and the host of the award-winning Deep Listening Podcast. And I'm excited to have Oscar on the show. And I expect that we're all going to think differently about listening after this conversation. So, Oscar,
1: welcome to the show. G'day, John. Looking forward to listening to your questions today.
0: (laughs) And I'm looking forward to listening to your answers. So this should be good. (laughs) Uh, So let's just dive right into it. What is the cost of failing to listen in the workplace today?
1: At its simplest form, it's reduced profitability. It's customers that you thought you were going to win that you lose, or worse still, customers that you won that didn't fully understand their requirements and they end up becoming unprofitable customers. It's great employees who leave before they want to because their managers aren't listening to them. It's not listening to the media, it's not listening to regulators, it's not listening to governments. The cost of not listening in the workplace often is very simply, you have to rework something that you thought you understood because you didn't do the playback in the conversation to show that you heard and understood, you come back a week later with an output, maybe Uh, A device, it may be a project, it may be a product, it may be something as simple as a contract, and then you have to show it to the person that you had the conversation with the week before, and they say, no, 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 that's not what I said. What I meant was and you have to go and rework. When listing is present, there's much more loyalty for employees and your customers become your most potent salespeople because they refer you. They'll often say, and clients of ours that we work with say, our customers say you can buy that product or service from anybody, but they listen. Mm -hmm. And that is a huge differentiation in any kind of organization, whether that's commercial or public sector.
0: You just touched on something really important, this idea of the perception that a company is listening to their customers. Why would? What leads to that perception? In other words, what are the activities that a a company does to where they develop that reputation as being great listeners to their customers? That's something very interesting, and I haven't really thought about it that way.
1: Well, let's start by looking at the opposite. Uh, Let me give you some great examples of companies that don't listen and what they do. Mm. They send surveys to their employees year after year after year and they do nothing with it. They don't communicate back to the staff and do the playback. This is what we heard and this is our action plan and as we implement the action plan, we're going to update you on it. So customers, they get customer satisfaction surveys year after year after year. They do nothing with it. And the customers go, they might be hearing, but they're not listening. <laughs> a, a client of mine uh, was trying to figure out, they, they ran a big contact center and they had thousands of employees and customers calling in all the time. And they were really struggling with that exit survey. When you leave the contact center, they say, hey, on a scale of one to five, would you recommend us? And their response rate was really, really low. And they weren't listening to their customers. So what I said to them was, when you collect all this feedback, what are you doing with it? You know, all these complaints that they're ringing in about, they said, oh, you know, we, we fix them. I said, okay, so next quarter, what I want you to do to show you've been listening, I want you to change the recording at the front of the contact center. So when people come in, the announcement sounds like, welcome to XYZ Corporation. Uh, All our operators are currently looking after customers just like you. At the end of this call, we'll ask you for feedback. Here's what we did last quarter with the feedback provided. We located a contact center operator in the closest postcode to you so they knew your situation better than anybody else could. And that was relatively simple to implement. But the change, they had a three-point uplift in the exit survey responses the following quarter, just straight away by doing that. So one of the things great listening organizations do is they know they make mistakes, yet they communicate back to their customers what they've done about the mistake. Now, in sales, great listening organizations more often than not will say, I can't help you with this problem, yet we can refer you to somebody who's an expert in that. Rather than trying to have a very elongated conversation about trying to figure out how to shoehorn their solution into yours, and it may work in a sales conversation, but when it comes to implementation, the truth is always there. And the customer's going to remember if it's a good fit or a poor fit. So what great listening organizations do, they're very comfortable with what they're excellent at. And equally, they're very comfortable saying to customers, we can't help you, but I want to help you solve your problem. Here's three people I would recommend to you. Now, John, this played out for me in 2015. I've never worked with Phil. Phil's a chief information officer working out of Singapore, and he asked me to Help him with a particular issue. I said, Phil, I can't help you with that. I know exactly who can. And he's never worked with me. We're, we're a decade down the track. And he is my biggest source of referrals, biggest source of referral than people who paid me. Phil is uh, my number one sales champion. And he says, Oscar, I know exactly what you did because you told me what you didn't do. And it mm-hmm. makes you very easy to refer. So when it comes to listening, whether that's in putting a solution together, whether it's implementing it, whether it's manufacturing and making a product out of it, make sure you tell the customer what you did with the problems you've had in the past. That will increase trust because they go, well, working with John's organization, we may have problems, but I know based on what other customers have done, they fix them.
0: Mm. Yeah, this, that's powerful. I mean, you're given really concrete examples of how we uh, exhibit ourselves as a listening organization. I love the idea of this is what we did based on the feedback in the past quarter. I mean, you're, you're, so you're answering that question. So again, you're more likely, customers are more likely to give you feedback when you say, here's what we're doing with that feedback. So they hear that you're listening and you're taking action. and And that is, it's a rare trait in companies today, I would say. Most companies listen, but they don't really hear and they don't do anything
1: about it. And ironically, that's what you did with the watch stander. It's the playback. All I've described is a playback. So if the company plays back what they heard and what they're doing about it, they will increase loyalty. And yet I speculate, John, as you hear this, a whole bunch of ideas are firing through your head for your own organization in that, what's firing through your head right now about little, small improvements you might make based on that little framework?
0: Well, one of the things that I do 30 days after a product ships is I send a, a, a direct email from me, the CEO of the company, saying, we shipped you 154 units last uh, month. How'd it go? Uh, what, what do we do good and what could we do better? And so, uh, and it's interesting that I... Don't get a lot of negative feedback. I get a lot of, hey, it was great. It was on time. We appreciate it. But I think what I'm thinking as you, as having this discussion is when they do say, hey, I had to call back three times, nobody answered the phone or whatever the negative issue would be, is to give a good feedback to say that we heard you and this is what we're going to do different kind of going forward. In other words, given that feedback loop to when a problem mm. is brought up, I don't think I would do that well enough.
1: And my speculation is in the next 30 days, you can go back to your team and go, in the last 90 days, what have we actually changed? And put that on your email now. You yeah. go, hey, we delivered 30 units to you. Um, by the way, your feedback matters. Here's what we've changed based on what other customers who've replied to this email have said. That's And, and that, that, that becomes a really, 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 really potent.
0: Yes, absolutely. It shows... It's it's sort of concrete evidence that we are listening, and maybe not listening to you, but are listening to previous uh, customers on on similar similar uh, requests for feedback. So I, that's that's the one quick takeaway I took from it.
1: And here's here's a little unexpected bonus you'll get. Staff are absolutely proud that whatever changes have made have been communicated to the customer so they realize the work that the employees are doing as well. And they're, they're, they're proud because they will know that this change is happening. But more importantly, the leader is proud to communicate that back mm. to the customers as well. Could I just play with this a little longer? Should sure. think about the customers you haven't won in the last 90 days? What, what communication do you give to them over that 90-day period that you lost to show that you're still listening? See,
0: that's a great question. We don't do anything. So, so in our case, you there's there's projects to be bid. And so we would sometimes we lose the bid. And sometimes we get feedback, your price is too high, your lead time's too long, your product wasn't certified the way we wanted to. And sometimes we never hear anything. So it's like, you know, it was awarded to someone else. We don't even hear if we lose. We just it we just never hear any feedback. So No, we don't have any... um, Sometimes we're able to get through our sales force to find out why. Like, you know, there'll be a private conversation between the buyer and our sales force and we can sort of figure it out. But a lot of times I would say a vast majority of the time
1: we don't know. We don't know why we lost a bid. Yeah. And again, just to show you're listening, uh, a simple thing I do, I, I get invited to speak at many events. I don't get selected all the Mm -hmm. time. But I know when the event's on. So five days before that event, I always wish them luck. I always give them a really simple thing to go, hey, when it comes to the host introducing the speaker you've selected, here's three tips. When the event's over, I congratulate them and I send them a card, a physical card in the mail and say, well, well done. Now, that to me, is a signal that everybody can be a client or a customer. Just don't pay you all the time. (coughs) The other thing I do with customers that buy programs, and maybe they bought a program from somebody else, uh, again, a month before they're due to go live, I'll send them a really simple checklist and say, hey, good luck. Based on our implementations in the past, here's three things working with suppliers and customers we know makes a difference on implementation. And when they go live and I make sure it's successful, a month later, I'll send them uh, a basket of chocolates or fruit and just wish the project team a way to celebrate that. It shows you're still listening. It's not, it's signaling that the relationship's not transactional. Mm. And here's the thing, do those people buy from me eventually? Maybe. What they do do, though, is go, hey, we did an extensive evaluation. We didn't select Oscar, but unlike everybody else, he still stayed in touch with us through the project. And that, to me, is creating a sales force when you don't have one. Mm. But it shows you're listening. Now I can see a big light bulb going on over your head John. What, what what's that light bulb signaling?
0: <laughs> well, I think you said something and I and I really do, you know, we started our company 7 years ago. We say, you know, part of our mission is to be a different kind of supplier and so the 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 suppliers in our industry typically don't listen. So they are larger companies on a mission and so a lot of these utilities get, you know, sort of ignored by the big guys and so we try to be a uh, a better listener more responsive quicker to respond to quotes quicker to respond to um uh, getting our product out quicker but one of the things you said was that we want to develop a relationship that's not just transactional and I think sometimes we don't do enough to I one of the ways I do is I train so I I I spend time you know in in the field training uh the 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 operators who use our products And, and whether they buy my product or not I'm training everyone and so I think one way we're doing the, that we're not transactional is through training people, even if they don't use our products. But I like the idea of engaging even when it's we, we haven't won the bid or we're not involved with the project. How can we still support and engage those people that might be future customers or might talk highly of us to the, to to their neighbors? Because one of the things is the utility customers all talk to each other. Hey, I heard you yeah. bought from peak demand. And what did you think of it? You know? And so that's actually a better source of marketing than even anything I put on my website or put in a document is the it's the word of mouth in our industry is very important.
1: Yeah. And finally, uh the when it comes to organizations that create products, inviting people who've never bought your product but have evaluated into your product councils is mm. a really potent way to learn faster from the competition. Mm. They will tell you things about the product in use that their supplier will never know about and you can leap them forward in your product revisions much quicker. So these are just, we haven't even got to (laughs) listening in in conversations, but as organisations, these simple things make a big difference. And John, how much is it going to cost you to implement this? Yeah, it's free.
0: Yeah, it's it's all this is free. That's that's the remarkable thing about it, and and especially as a small business, we think, oh well, our big our big competitors have so much more money than we do. Really? Well, we have other ways that we can win, and it doesn't take any money. And I think that's the beautiful thing about this message. It's sort of a, a way to enhance your brand when you're a smaller player. Hey, those, those guys always, they, they always take care of me. Even if they can't supply me product, they steer me in the right direction. They answer my questions. Uh, those guys are great, you know, and if I need product, I'm going to go to them. You know, hmm. I think you become the, you become the trusted experts in your industry and that's where you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, so let's shift gears to the, um, the, the you know, so the normal workplace conversations Now you've done. Uh, a lot of research on this area. So, uh, what are some things you've learned uh, through your research? I guess you've you've talked to more than ten thousand, you know, workplace listeners. So you have a lot of data on this. What are some of the big themes that you learned with respect to workplace conversations and listening?
1: When done well, if you listen, meetings are shorter. I love that. (laughs) And meetings are fewer. Mm -hmm. So you'll have less meetings and the meetings you do have are shorter because each of the participants feels seen, heard, and understood. For a lot of us in the workplace, our listening is transactional it's task oriented and it's from our own perspective. How do I get my outcome as quickly as possible? Most people don't realize that focusing on the speaker is not where you start listening from. The biggest thing that gets in everybody's way when it comes to listening is themselves. Mm most people turn up to a conversation with so many browser tabs open in their mind that their memory is flooded and the browser tabs are crashing. That's even before they've got to the conversation. Is it any wonder there's misunderstanding, conflict, chaos in some enterprises because people don't understand that the biggest barrier to listening is in fact not the speaker, it is the listener and their preparation. A listening happens before, during and after the conversation and most people focus their listening on the during. Yet if you don't prepare, you may be setting out to see with the wrong supplies, you may be setting out to see with the wrong crew, you may be setting out to see in the wrong direction. Three simple tips of The other 10,000 people we have researched in the workplace, we've tracked 1,410 of them over nearly five years now. Three things consistently increase their preparation and people report back between one and four hours a week back in their schedule if they use these three tips. These tips are easy to say, difficult to practice, But if you build them into a routine and a ritual, you will be successful in your listening because you'll be able to turn up ready to listen. We'll get into the how to listen shortly as well. Tip number one, use the technology. Don't let the technology use you. Manage any notifications, whether that's on a cell phone, a pager, a WhatsApp, a Zoom, a Teams, whatever your technology is, Be the master of the technology, don't be a slave to it. When people say, oh, you know, Oscar, the thing that gets in my way is all the notifications coming up in my uh, Slack channel. I go, and who appointed Slack as your master? And they all kind of have a giggle. Now, whether you're on Windows or a Mac or iOS or Android, there's one button in every operating system that you can move to switch off all the notifications. Be responsible, go find it, and learn how to use it. And for bonus points, there's one other button that will switch it off automatically for you when it sees your calendar and sees you have an appointment.
0: We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger Fitness. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they're lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. But how do you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best person for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put Jeremy Clevenger on your team. Jeremy will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutrition, habits and more to the next level with his step-by-step all-inclusive coaching program now i've worked with jeremy for the past year and i'm in the best shape of my life if you want to step up your game reach out to jeremy at apexperformancesystems.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today this episode is brought to you by the sasquatch flag company the sasquatch flag company is a family-owned business in New England that builds hand-carved American flags from seasoned white pine each flag is hand built and each star on the flag is hand hammered and chiseled no two flags are alike. They offer a variety of flag designs to honor the police, military, firefighters, dispatchers, and search and rescue personnel, to name a few. These stunning handmade flags look great in an office, a studio, the back porch, or above the fireplace mantle. They make the perfect gift for the veteran, first responder, or patriot in your life. Now, I love these flags, and I've been giving them as gifts for years, and I was a customer long before they became a sponsor of the show. I can't recommend them enough, so if you're looking for that perfect, uniquely American make gift to give away, or if you want to treat yourself, go to sasquatchflags.com and get your order in today. Can I ask a clarifying question? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Because that's uh, one of my most important things I do. And part of it is just being present with my people. So I I have all my notifications turned off on all of my devices, mm. including, I don't, my ringer doesn't go on. My ringer is off. I have no vibration. So if you text me or if you call me, I won't. I don't answer it in in the moment, and, and it may take me a while till I get to it. And so sometimes a complaint is I can't reach John, but I think that's a better place to be than John's always distracted. I can never get his attention because when I do go back and reply to text and/or phone calls, I'm in the moment. I'm being present with that person, and I'm not trying to multitask. Is that the right way or the wrong way? Or do you have any guidance with respect to text, the, the, the two things that are, that are always sometimes the struggle is text and phone calls, which I, which I have turned off because I like to be in the moment with
1: people that I'm working with. Okay, I'm going to give you a bonus tip. Before I do, 2007, Peter flew from Seattle to Sydney, which effectively is a 24-hour flight. He's a, it was the intergalactic vice president of Microsoft, the company that I worked at. And he was due to fly in and the flight would arrive at 6am and at 9am he would arrive at my meeting in a central business district hotel and there were 20 CEOs in that room. Peter arrived at about 8.45, went around, introduced himself to everybody, sat at the head of the room and I made the introduction and created the context for the meeting. Peter opened up with an opening statement and cut himself off about 90 seconds in. He said, look, I'm really sorry. I've traveled 24 hours to be here. I apologize. And I thought he was ill or maybe he had jet lag or couldn't concentrate. And what he did next was fascinating. He got up out of his seat. He took his cell phone out of his jacket pocket walked over to the corner of the room and placed it in his bag. Then he came back. He said, I've traveled 24 hours to be here with you. I need to give you my complete mm-hmm. and undivided attention. Now, I know that 19 of the 20 CEOs either switched their cell phones off or switched them to vibrate because there was one CEO where the uh, um, call rang during the meeting and they had to leave. That meeting created partnerships in the room between CEOs that I know still exist today. And I still talk to those people and they still comment about Peter's role modeling in that moment. Mm-hmm. So my, my invitation to you, John, is really simple. If you're in a group meeting with a, with a large number of people, say up front, Look, I just want to let you know I'm here to listen. I've actually switched my cell phone off or silent or whatever it is. That might mean sometimes you feel it's difficult to get in touch with me. But right now, the most important thing I can give everybody is my complete and undivided attention. What we don't do is signal that often enough as leaders. Yes. So when you you signal that, people automatically go, oh, okay. So some people in the meeting know that because they know John, but some people in the meeting don't know that. How that shows up for me, if I'm meeting a client or a prospect face-to-face, just as the meeting starts, I'll be clear. I'm just about to switch my cell phone off and i make a big ritual, and I go and put it in the bag in the corner. So many of my clients comment on that. And I am sure that there are many of their suppliers that do that, that switch it off and put it in the bag, but they don't say they do. Mm. And I'm often reminded that we spend too much time on content in a conversation and if we just spent 10% of our time in the process of communicating, what will make this a good conversation is a really simple question we can always ask at the beginning of a conversation, which is a process question, not a content question. It's not the agenda question. And when I asked one of my clients oh, make this a good conversation. She just said to me, Oscar, put your hazmat suit on because I'm going to vomit on you for the next 29 minutes as it turned out verbally. But it gave me permission to go, I don't need to fix this. I don't need to interact. I don't need to interrupt. I don't need to provide a solution. She communicated to me about how that. So I think, John, for you is when you're in those face-to-face situations, be explicit about that. And again, People will talk about that. It's like, oh, okay, that's a little different. Mm, I like that. So not only do it, but but let people know you're doing it for sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like back to the watchstander. It's what you said and what you understood. The the protocols are no different. And the watchstander's protocols are proven over centuries. Right. Why we don't... why we don't implement and adapt them into workplaces is completely beyond me. I don't understand.
0: <laughs> yeah, in, in my in my second book, I do say that when you're doing more critical tasks, that it should be included in some way to say, okay, you're going to do this assignment. Can you just tell me in your own words what what, what that assignment looks like from your perspective? And so to hear them repeat back what they think the assignment is, is actually a sort of a quasi uh, verbatim repeat back but i've used that on various critical projects to just say just to ensure that the person understood what the assignment was so that quick little check back so just in your own words i'll say what what do you see the project as and so i hear them say okay i've got three months to study this and come back with this data and it's like perfect any questions no. All right. That's great. So it's a little bit of a verbatim repeat back, but not identical, but but similar. But it's a lesson I learned
1: from the military for sure. Mm. And do you apply that in external context with customers with supplies?
0: I have done it with um, with not not so much suppliers, but we have some partners that do financial work for us. So I think I've done it with some financial projects, but not as much. I think that's probably an area I could do more uh, more there with uh, with customers and with other with suppliers and vendors and what have you. So yeah, I think that's it's yeah. a good uh, good idea
1: so. with customers or potential customers. It's a really simple way to get a playback back in a way that maybe you haven't considered. John, if you were to summarise this conversation for the CFO, how would you summarise it for them in one sentence? If you would summarise this for the shareholders, how would you summarise it? If you would summarise it for your staff at an all-hands meeting, how would you summarise it in a sentence? Um, never leave that question to the end of a conversation. Make sure you ask it about, if you're in a one-hour meeting, about the 40-minute mark because it gives you time to adjust because you go, oh, my goodness, that's what they heard? oh, that's not what I meant, and you can adjust. But if you if you ask that as you're stepping out of the, of the meeting or, or or towards the end of a meeting uh, via video, you, you're going to miss that opportunity. So the, the context is always get them to talk about it from a third person's perspective. There's nothing at risk for them. It's like I would explain this to my boss like this, but okay, great. Now, as a, a, a person hearing that, I would often go, "Okay, great. They're going to be able to explain this conversation pretty well, or I need to support them in a in a very different way to be successful." So that's the way you can always ask with externals, and particularly, I guess, in your line of work, uh, it, it may be regulators. You know, if you were to summarize what this might mean for the regulator in a utility oh, okay, there's a different perspective where you're looking at functional compliance as opposed to a business case. Yeah, that makes a
0: lot of sense. Now I slightly de- derailed you with Yeah, so we got to tip three. We started with three. the use of technology, which was a one, so I'll give you an opportunity to talk about the other two.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, I love how this is a delightfully organic conversation. So tip number one, use the technology, don't let the technology use you. The final thing as we say farewell to tip number one, We talked a lot about cell phones. In our research in recent time, the connected watch is the biggest villain of all. Ah. The speaker gets so frustrated with people who think they're being subtle while looking at their connected watch. And everybody knows exactly what you're doing. (laughs) So make sure all those notifications are switched off across all of those devices. Finally, there are times where you can't. So my father, two and a half years ago, had a stroke and I was still working in my business at the time and there was a whole bunch of juggling I was doing. For a period of about two months, I would say to people at the beginning of a meeting, if my phone rings, the only reason it's ringing is I'm expecting a call from a medical specialist about my father's stroke condition. Now, the phone never rang once, but the fact I signaled it was a sign of respect to them, but also them understanding my context as well. When you operate in the East, all this goes out the window in Singapore, in China, in Japan. If the phone rings, everybody answers it in the middle of a meeting Mm. and they're doing it from politeness. So these tips for English-speaking Western workplaces. <laughs> tip, yes. tip number two. Uh, tip number two, drink a glass of water before every conversation. Drink a glass of water every half an hour in a conversation and offer water to people who are in the conversation as well. The science is very simple. When you drink water, it comes and sends a signal here around your chest and your lungs, the parasympathetic nervous system. And it says to the parasympathetic nervous system, relax, everything's okay, be present. And when you get distracted, which you inevitably will, drink a glass of water or have a sip of a glass of water or touch the glass of water. Now for me, I have bottles of water Um, because I may be standing up for extended periods of time. Whenever I go into uh, a meeting in, in a customer location, I will always ask if it's possible that the meeting table has water for each participant present, a jug, a glass, something like that. When you drink water in a meeting like that, typically what it will do, you will notice everybody else goes for the water there as well. It helps to shut down those browser tabs that we talked about earlier on before you get into any conversation. I love that. Easy to say, difficult to practice. Tip number three, three deep breaths. It's the same physiology, sending a signal to parasympathetic nervous system, take three deep breaths in through the nose, down to the bottom of the lungs and the diaphragm and out through the mouth. And Navy SEALs use box breathing, which is a four, 4 4 breathing technique. So inhale for 4, hold for 4, exhale for 4, inhale for 4, off you go again. Whether you're an Olympian, a Navy SEAL, an opera singer, breathing correctly in through your nose and out through your mouth, most people don't even know that little part of it, increases performance in any cognitive and physical task. There is a reason the great traditions of the world teach controlled breathing for millennia, whether they're jungle tribes or whether they're successful empires, and breath is critical to that. Tip number one, manage your technology. Tip number two, drink water. And tip number three, three deep breaths. We know from our deep listening ambassador community, when they implement these ideas, they're getting between one and four hours a week back in their schedule because they're having fewer meetings and the meetings that they have are shorter as well.
0: I love that you say that. And I actually do box breathing right before I do an interview. And it's part of it is to shut down my challenges of the day because as a host of a podcast, I want to be present. I want to listen. I want to learn. Uh, I want to make sure that I bring out the ideas for the audience, but I'm also a very busy person, you know, running my own business. I'm working on a doctorate degree right now. My brain is firing and all the things I've got to get done and all the calls I've got to make and all reports I've got to write. And so part of it, when I prepare for this discussion is I actually do box breathing while while before the person comes on and I'll actually try to, and it's about relaxing and just sort of you know kind of and i love how you said you're shutting down all those tabs and that's and that's really that's i smile when you said it because that's exactly what i'm doing i'm turning these tabs off so that i have just the one open which is this screen my, me looking at you and being able to learn from you and turning off all the outside influences and i do a generally good job of it but there are times when i'm in a conversation and and you it, know and someone will say something as a guest and it'll trigger something i've got to get done and then I lose, I lose that presence. I, I, I like, I, I falter a little bit, and I notice I'm
1: not listening as well when when that happens. So, uh, can we play with that one really quickly? yes sure, absolutely. Is, this is quite common, and I invite you when you when that happens to say to the guest, to the client, to the employee, "Hey, look, what you said is really important. Do you mind pausing for a moment? I just need to make a note of that." Yeah, yeah. And that gives you a bit of time just to take it out of your head, put it down on a piece of paper, and you know you're going to come back to it. Because if you don't, the subconscious is going to it's going to keep coming, knocking back on that door. Hello, John. Remember that thing about your doctorate, <laughs> um, I, and and unless you process it, and uh, be careful in sales. By the way, if you if you go, oh look, what you said was so important. Do you mind if I? I ask you to pause and write that down. It may be perceived as false flattery. So make sure you don't do it at the beginning of a meeting. You have some kind of relationship and rapport at that point in time. But you need to move it out of RAM (laughs) onto your hard disk, which is that piece of paper or whatever you're going to use as a notepad. Working memory is what we're talking about. That's where uh, listening takes place. In the, in the neuroscience of the listening, working memory is what is very precious and it can get overloaded and yep. thus the use of the browser tab metaphor and the memory overload. When I interviewed mm-hmm. Professor Stefan van der Steckel, and it took me about 160 goes to say it correctly, he's written three books on attention from Utrecht University. He's a professor of attention. And he says, you, you can't multitask, you can task switch. And what you just described there was task switching. And he says, you pay a tax for task switching where you can't be present in both effectively. Right. You can be present in one or the other, but I speculate whatever I just fired off there for you to take a note. Hopefully I've given you enough time to write down what you wanted to do with that one as well
0: nice thing about this is it's recorded so I can listen to it again. <laughs> so if I didn't get it on my notes, but I, Oscar, we've covered, I feel like we've covered maybe uh, less than 1% of this topic in this half hour conversation, but I wanted to give you an opportunity uh, to just say, um, what uh, maybe what else should we know about deep listening as we're talking to uh, different leaders who might be business owners, entrepreneurs, they might be leaders in companies What maybe is one critical thing they need to come away with this from
1: this conversation to know about deep listening? Yeah. So a good listener will listen to what's said. They may paraphrase, they may take notes. Great listeners notice what's not said. And when you know these numbers, you will understand the importance of listening to what's not said. When you speak on average, 125 to 150 words per minute. As a speaker, as the speaker, you can think in a range from 600 to 1,600 words per minute. On average, it's about 900. You think at 900 words per minute. So let's do that math again. You can speak at 125, but you can think at 900. Yes. That means the first thing that you say in those first 125 words is roughly 12 to 14% of what you're thinking. And if you're really clever and smart and you're thinking it's 1,600 words per minute, the first thing that you say is 5% of what you're thinking. As the listener, if you're engaging in a dialogue with the very first thing somebody says, you're engaging with between 5 and 14% of what they're thinking. Mm. Therefore, the surface area for misunderstanding is vast. I want to give you three quick questions to help you get somebody to say the next 125 words. These questions are really short, and these questions go in a direction. One is north-south, that's keeping the conversation going in the same direction. So think of a listening compass, and the direction of questions matter. So we're going to give you the north-south question, how do you keep the conversation going in the same direction? And maybe somebody's getting repetitive, you want to go east-west, you want to take them in a very different direction. Now, all these questions are really short, less than eight words. The first one is simply this, and please be a human, it would sound robotic if you just said, Tell me more. John, I'm fascinated. Could you say more about that? It, it's the same intent, but it's given a human touch. Tell me more. And as you do, people will tell you more. And they'll use phrases like, mm. actually, now that I think about it, mm. what I've been meaning to say is, actually, We haven't even covered off, and now you're starting to get to the meaningful part of the conversation. This is where the meeting gets shorter, by the way. So question number one, tell me more. Question number two, remember, we want to take the conversation in a different direction, get them to explore on a different plane, east-west. And what else? Hmm, John, what else have you considered? Is there anything else you've considered? This will take the speaker's thinking in a different direction. The dirty little secret of listening done well, you change the way the speaker communicates their idea. They do it more succinctly, they do it more concisely, and they tell you what they think and what they mean, not just what they say the first time. The final one. So the first one, tell me more. Second one, and what else? The third one is really the most powerful. Use this carefully. Done well can be liberating. Done poorly, it can be intimidating. Here it is. <laughs> it was like, now, don't <laughs> worry, the webcam hasn't frozen. Yeah. It's no coincidence that the word silent and the word listen share the identical letters. When you're silent... People will fill the space and people will tell you things they've never told anybody else before. Because you've brought your presence by losing all your devices and in being present, they feel much more comfortable in telling you what they think and what they mean and then they'll feel heard, seen and understood. And you can only do that when you start to listen to what they haven't said. Mm. So good listeners listen to what is said and engage there. Great listeners notice what isn't said and expand the speaker's consciousness.
0: Wow, that is uh, some powerful advice and I really appreciate that. And listeners, I hope you captured that as well. These are three simple questions to hear what is has not been said. And I think that's a powerful thing. And if we want to, Really let our employees be heard. Let our customers be heard. Feel like they they have someone that's listening. Those are three great tips. Oscar, this has been fantastic. Um, how can people find out more about you? And I know you have this thing called a listening quiz, and I was going to ask you,
1: how can they find out about more about you and this listening quiz? Look, I'd rather they find out more about their own listening than find out about me listeningquiz.com. Join over 26,000 people who've taken the assessment. You'll get a report that explains what your primary and secondary listening barriers are and what to do about them as well. So listeningquiz.com. And if you want to get in touch with me, once you take the listening quiz, you'll be able to find all the coordinates there. Uh, And if you want to dive a little bit deeper, you can read the book, How to Listen the most comprehensive book about listening in the workplace, or you can connect with the Deep Listening Podcast.
0: Well, that's fantastic. We'll go ahead and put uh, links in the show notes for all of those resources. Oscar, I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and helping us understand an issue that seems like it would be common sense and that we understand listening. But what you've told us is there's a lot more to listening than maybe what we think about. So the idea of these these three questions the idea of the the breathing the water the, the 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 before during and after there's so many things you've you've introduced to us to that I think uh at least for myself I've got to think about this a little bit more and I'm going to go ahead and take that listing quiz myself and see what I get through that John thanks for listening <laughs> well thanks for being on the show I really appreciate it For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard junior oh, got
1: this chair. No, just my dad.
0: My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels on this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace
1: and power. Electric acid. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes then you need to tune in to the nature Backed podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us, from renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the nature Backed podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed.